Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 7, how Noah had one year of close fellowship with God and family in the ark, and how God provided Noah with seven clean animals for sacrifice, but provided us with one lamb to meet our sacrifice needs. Now, don't forget that this message is always available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Go to our main website and download it for free, or you can also go to iTunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, as we're in the month of March, Passover will soon be here. And Tom Cantor, our Jewish born-again believer and teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, has an incredible teaching on the Passover. It's called the personal relevance of the Passover. This insightful teaching on the Passover is like you've never heard it before. Now, this Passover teaching from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53 from Tom Cantor brings to life the process and the passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us today and our lives. Now, it's a great gift to give any Christian or unbeliever at Easter and Passover time, and it's a great gift especially to give to any Jewish person that you know who may be searching for the truth and evidence of the Scriptures and who the Messiah really is at Passover time by asking the question, Where is your Lamb? Now, to get this teaching on the Passover from Tom Cantor, please call us today with a donation of $20 or more, and we'll send it to you for Passover and Easter time. Our number is 800 247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, it's 800-247-3051. Or you can also order this product online by going to our website at friendshipwithgod.org and clicking on our resources. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching. Get enough food to last for the whole ark journey. And we have no record of God telling Noah how long he was going to be on the ark. What's the only conclusion you can come to? Same one like last week. N-T-K. Need to know. We're on a need-to-know basis. God must have told Noah how long it was going to be. Otherwise, how can you get enough food if you don't know? One year is a long time. And he didn't tell us. So, just like we said last week, God must have told Noah the difference between clean and unclean animals. Now, you remember back in Genesis 3.15, how Eve heard God say to the serpent that from her seed was going to come the Messiah, and he was going to crush the head of the serpent. Now, do we have any record in Genesis 3 that her seed was going to be fully God? Because that's unusual, right? And we don't. But when we came... To Genesis 4.1, you remember the first words of Eve with the birth of her firstborn son was, I've gotten a man who is God. That's what she said there. How did Eve know that the Messiah was going to be fully God? Her seed was going to be fully God. NTK, right? God must have told her and didn't tell us. Now, all this goes to show that God told Eve And God told Noah and Abraham, who saw the day of the Lord and rejoiced in it, more than we have a record of. Now, why is that important to know that God told these people, Eve and Noah and Abraham and others, more than we are told? Why? Because the deceiver, the devil, has used a trick 
He's a little trick to get us to think that God has not done right. And the deception that he's used goes like this. Well, we know that there's only one way to get to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in his death. And since the Old Testament doesn't say anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't say anything that God told Eve and Noah and Abraham about the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, then they couldn't have gone to heaven, see? Now, the truth is that we are not told what God told them. And that's why these examples are important. When we see Noah going out and collecting food for his family and his animals for the trip, we know he had to know how much food he should get that it was going to be a one-year trip, but we're not told. Now, thinking about Noah in that boat there for a year on the ark with God, that must have really been some wonderful time for Noah. I wouldn't say it's an easy time, but it was a wonderful time. Why? Because he was in close proximity with God. He was in close fellowship with God. He was in close friendship with God. And if we were to ask Noah, say, Noah, that must have been pretty rough to be there on that boat for a year. Terrible storms bobbing around with all those animals. If you have to do it again, would you do it again? And Noah would say, you bet I would. You bet I would. That was the greatest time in my life because God was with me in that ark. And it was a wonderful time to be shut up together with God, even though it was tough times. Now, the Lord said to Noah in Genesis 7, 1, he says, come thou and all thy house into the ark. And then he said, for thee have I seen righteous. Now, that looks almost like it's a reason for why he was brought into the ark, for God to say he's invited him because I have seen thee righteous. Now, King Solomon said very clearly to us, in case there's any doubt, we don't need any instruction to know that we are sinners because we know that firsthand. But King Solomon went on and he said in 1 Kings 8:46, for there is no man that sinneth not. And Paul said actually the same thing in Romans 3:23 when he said for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Isaiah said something about our righteousnesses in Isaiah 64:6 when he said we're all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So if all have sinned then that means that Noah had sinned. And any righteousnesses that Noah had were as filthy rags. So what in the world could God have meant when he said, I have seen thee righteous? And this, by the way, is the first time that this word righteous is used in the Bible. And the answer comes very clear when we look, and if you like to turn to Genesis 15, 5 through 6, because this is the passage in Genesis 15, 5 through 6, where God is telling Abraham, something that's not easy to believe. So he says this in 15.5, Genesis 15.5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, So shall thy seed be. And then it says in verse 16, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So here we have Abraham. He has no children. He and his wife are well beyond the age of childbearing. And God takes Abraham out on a nice, clear, star-filled night. And God tells Abraham, look up, Abraham, look into the stars and see, try to count them. And then he says, now your seed's going to be like that in number. When we are faced with God's invitations, we will face a conflict between our will versus God's will. And we must yield our will to God's will Thy will be done. When Noah went into the ark to be saved from the flood, Noah was going to God. 
See, that's the same for us when we went to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved from our sins. What was the way for Noah to endure all that time in the ark? It was the presence of God. That's the way. So whether it's Moses in the desert, or whether it's Noah in the ark, or it's us in a hardship in life, God puts us in. It's the same motto, anywhere with God, nowhere without God. Then God looked at Abraham for a response. And without staggering in unbelief, Abraham just believed God. Abraham said, there's nothing impossible for God. So, okay, that's, God's able to do that. If God wants to do that, he can do that. So it says in the Bible that Abraham considered not his own body, his own dead body that was good as dead. And Abraham considered that what God had said. And he said, I'm not looking at myself. I'm putting all my confidence in God. God said that I have confidence in God. And when God saw that Abraham put his confidence in God and his confidence was that God could overcome any obstacle, even the deadness of he and his wife's body to have children, then God, it says, counted counted it to him for righteousness. It's an interesting word, chasab. And it has been translated throughout the Old Testament with words like think. It's been translated the word think. So God thought on Abraham to be righteous. Impute, it has been translated at that word. Impute, esteem, value. It means that when Abraham believed that God was going to make his seed to be in number, like the stars that he was looking at, that God saw Abraham as righteous. It was not a righteousness that came from Abraham. It was a righteousness that God counted or accounted onto Abraham. And the whole of Romans chapter 4 is dedicated to explaining all this. And explains this special type of righteousness, which is called a righteousness of faith. A righteousness of faith, and it's a righteousness that is imputed or put upon by God on a person who believes God, who has confidence in God, who believes that God raised up Jesus from the dead. So what did God see in Noah that caused him to say in verse 1, For thee have I seen righteous before me of this generation? God saw Noah believed God, that Noah had confidence in God. And every swing of the hammer was Noah's affirmation that he had confidence in God. So when it says in Genesis 6.22, Thus did Noah according to all that commanded him, so did he. And in Genesis 7.5, that Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. That was what God saw. He saw the evidence of his confidence in God, and therefore he imputed him for righteousness. That was the obedience that God saw that caused him to say, For thee have I seen righteous in this generation. Now, we come to verse 2, and we're told that God told Noah to take seven clean beasts and two unclean beasts. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel And we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they, too, might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. Now, why did God tell Noah to bring seven clean animals and two unclean into the ark? Okay, and you know, you know, don't you? Or turn, if you would, to Genesis 8.20. Genesis 8.20, so where it says, so now he's coming out of the ark. Noah's coming out of the ark. And what does it say he did? First thing, he comes out of the ark in Genesis 8.20. And it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, think about this. God knew that when Noah would leave the ark, that Noah's heart would be filled or overwhelmed with gratitude toward God, and that Noah would want to give a present to God. He'd want to give an offering to God. He'd want to express something to God. Noah would want to be like Abel and make an animal offering to God. And God knew that when Noah would emerge from the ark and that when Noah would see all that God had saved Noah from, that Noah would want to give himself to God. See, God knew that. It was going to come into Noah's heart. And he would want to express that by the giving of whole burnt offerings, he wanted to give himself wholly to God. So God provided for Noah to make those offerings by having Noah bring these seven clean animals into the ark. Now, what do we see God doing, therefore, in Genesis 7-2? God was anticipating Noah's desire to make a gift to God, and then God was providing Noah with the offering in advance. So when Noah emerged from the ark and looked all around him, Noah saw what he had been saved from. dead death around. And so he had been saved from the judgment. And Noah saw also what he had been saved from. Because Noah looked at a new earth there. So when Noah looked all around and saw what God had saved him from, Noah said, that was the mercy of God to me. When Noah said those words, that was the mercy of God. And he looked around and he saw this great earth which had been cleansed and it was a new earth. He saw what God had saved him for and Noah said, The fact that I'm the only one alive here with my family, that's the mercy of God to me. See, I was saved from the judgment. That was the mercy of God to me. I was saved for the, that was the mercy of God. So all those times he's saying these are the mercies of God. And whenever you and I are like Noah and we see the mercies of God in our lives like Noah did, whenever you and I are like Noah and we consider What God has saved us from, the judgment of our sins, in other words, an eternity in hell, then like Noah, we say, that's the mercy of God to me. And whenever you and I are like Noah, and consider what God has saved us for, to be with God forever, an eternity in heaven, then like Noah, we say, that's the mercy of God. And like Noah, with these mercies of God, We have only one reasonable response, and that's Romans 12, 1, where he says, uh, Paul says, 
I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, in other words, what you should do after you think about it, your reasonable service or worship. So God knew that when Noah emerged from the ark, that Noah should take time and consider the mercy of God and what God saved Noah from, and that Noah should take time and consider the mercy of God for what God had saved Noah for. And if Noah took that time to consider those mercies of God, then God knew that Noah would say, I wish I had more clean animals so that I could make a whole burnt offerings to God. So for that time, for that time when Noah would look for more clean animals, more than two of the clean animals that God said to Noah, don't worry, Noah, I got you covered. That Now you know why I told you to bring seven clean animals on the ark. So what's important about this? God never commanded Noah to make those burnt offerings. That was Noah's decision. That was Noah's decision. That was Noah's reasonable service. After he thought about it and reasoned, that was the conclusion. God never commands us to make offerings to him. That's our free will choice. It's our reasonable response to the mercies of God that he has shown us. And just as God provided for Noah his offerings, God has given to us money, possessions, time to give to him to express the giving of ourselves to him. He never forces us to give ourselves to him. He never forces us to give our money and our possessions to him, our time. That's our free will choice. That comes as the reasonable response that we make to his mercies. And if Noah thought about it, Noah would have said, you know, I mean, I'm giving these to God, but really, it's not that big a deal because I'm really offering these animals to God, but these are all God's animals he told me to bring anyways. And that's true. That's true. Because God put them under Noah's control those animals. God entrusted those animals to Noah. God did not have to do that and trust that, but God did. And Noah did not have to make those animal sacrifices to God, but Noah did. And the same is true for us. We don't actually own anything. We say we own things, but we don't, we've only been entrusted with things. You know, God is watching us to see if we'll be faithful with what he's entrusted to us. You know what we're like? We're like bank tellers. We handle a lot of money. We don't own the money, but we handle the money. And the bank teller doesn't own that money, and, but he's been trusted with the money. He better not act like he owns the money, otherwise he goes to prison. And, so, <laughs> and that's like us. We're like bank tellers. So when we look at Genesis 7-2 and, and, and Genesis 8-20, we see that Noah offered to God what God provided to Noah. And King David expressed this so well when he had all of these great riches, the gold, the silver, and everything ready to build the temple. And he put it all together, and he looks at it all, and he says, boy, I'm a rich man. Look at all the stuff I gave. He didn't say that at all. What he did say in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, as he looked it over, is he said, who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? And then he said these words. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. 
And so when Noah made those offerings to God, he could have said the same thing. These clean animals that I'm offering are animals that you gave me to offer. So what am I, who am I, that I should be able to offer these animals? For all things come from God, and from God's own have I given him these animals. Now, when we think of how God provided Noah for the offerings that he would need, we think of that walk up Mount Moriah of Abraham and the father with his son Isaac, the one in danger of being killed if a sacrifice, a substitution was not provided to take Isaac's place. And Abraham knew that a substitutional sacrifice was needed for Isaac. Actually, he believed that either that or God was going to raise him from the dead. But Abraham, thinking about a substitution, he didn't know if it was going to be by substitution or by resurrection. But if it was going to be by substitution, he didn't know where that was going to come from. But he knew what he told his son when his son asked him about where is the sacrifice in Genesis twenty-two seven, And it says that Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire of the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, and these are the words, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So just like God provided the clean animals for Noah to sacrifice, God provided the ram on the top of Mount Moriah that Abraham didn't know anything about to sacrifice until the time. We desperately needed a sacrifice for our sins. Just like Abraham, we had no idea about that sacrifice. But all of Isaiah 53 is a description of the Lord Jesus Christ being made the sacrifice for us. And the whole concept of him as our provided sacrifice is what is expressed in the 10th verse of Isaiah 53, where it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. So that's what God did. Then our part. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So just like God provided for Noah the seven clean animals, the first part of Isaiah 53:10, But it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. That's God providing the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And just like it was Noah's decision to offer those sacrifices when he got off, that's the next part of Isaiah 53.10, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now, we could ask the question about how many animals was that that he took on to there? Well, all the animals we see today, they were not existing during that time. As a matter of fact, today we see the results of speciation or the blossoming out of species. That's the real evolution. You know, we hear the term evolution, we go, oh, you know. But it's just like we hear the word gay, and we go, oh, no. Those are hijacked terms. Because evolution is a wonderful biological mechanism that God has instituted for not only the survival of the species, but the speciation of the species, the blossoming, the formation, but not the formation of new species. The bird doesn't come from the polywog. (laughs) So in order to have this speciation, Noah only had to take what's called the wild types. In other words, having full genetic complement. For example, a wolf from a wolf. You can get the Chihuahua and you can get the St. Bernard and all the other dogs in between, including the French Poodle and the Standard Poodle for that matter. Anyway, so it's a small number of animals that he had to take. It's a good thing because he had to take a year's supply. But he only took two clean animals. Now, if you only took two clean animals, what does that tell you about the mortality rate during the one-year trip? There wasn't any. They all, they all lived. Well, that's amazing. So he didn't have to worry about corpse and dead animals. 
You know, they just all lived. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. We have dead animals all the time. Anyway, none died during that time. So that's similar to what the Lord said in John 18, 9, when he said, Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. And he speaks about in John 10, 29, that no man is able to pluck the believers out of the Father's hand. And Noah must have been amazed. Well, you do one year, open the door, and he's, he's doing his tally, he's walking, checking them off, they're coming off, whoop, two of them, two of them, two of them, two of them, what do you know? And that's the way we're going to feel, the amazement of it all, when we get to heaven and see Noah didn't lose any animals, and neither did God lose any of those who come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We pray that you would take, Lord, the, the lessons from your, from your verses and impress them upon our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We get such great teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And if you would like to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on the air, you can donate by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, 100% of your donation goes towards... Jewish evangelism and keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air. None of it's kept for administration costs or fees or anything like that. It's 100% tax deductible. So please consider donating to Friendship with God and continuing this wonderful Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. We need your help. Call us 800-247-3051. And with any donation of $20 or more, we are offering Tom Cantor's teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53 and Exodus 12. So if you'd like to get teaching on the Passover from Tom Cantor, a donation of $20 or more, we'll send that to you. Or you can just donate and help support this Bible teaching radio program. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org.